What's Good Friends List episode 108 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Blizzard Entertainment has long been home to some of gaming's biggest franchises, including Warcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch, just to name a few. Yet, it seems like it's become home to something far more sinister since its Activision acquisition, a culture which reinforces misogyny and disgusting behavior. So, this week, we break down the details stemming from the two-year investigation into Activision Blizzard's quote-unquote frat boy culture, and why this behavior has become so common within the gaming space that has more recently been known for its acceptance and forward thinking. Why would anyone find these actions acceptable? What will it take to finally make us as a people understand that we need to be better? Also, on a lighter note, the rumored Dead Space remake has finally been revealed. Concerns over proper registration for Halo Infinite's beta rise and much, much more. Coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch our episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. Wherever you get a podcast at, we're there. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at. And... Of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways as always. We got a couple in the works coming up for you later this year whenever we start heading into the fall season of game releases and whatnot. We'll get you hooked up with something. But as always, I'm your host, Travis White, aka Travelis, on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike P. Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And as always, my friend, what have you been playing this glorious week that we've had because it's been pretty nice in pittsburgh here at least for the most part it was hot a couple of days but now it's like this nice like sunny and 75 weather which i'm I'm, yeah. I'm digging but at the same time this is a video game show so fuck doing stuff outside we're talking about <laughs> you know being nerds inside you know the inside life baby you know <laughs> yeah um for me i just been playing a little bit of I, I played a little bit of halo recently which is normal for everyone that listens to the show mm-hmm. um i've still been playing some valorant been enjoying valorant still playing with some friends that i used to play call of duty with mm-hmm. so it's always a good time but um the the big game that's that's new in the rotation that isn't necessarily new to us or Mm-mm. you know it, outside of the show for sure because we might not have even ever talked about it on the show very much but i mm-hmm. uh, just played a lot of seven <clears throat> seven days to die with you and marshy again and uh been genuinely enjoying it um the, some of the more recent updates they've put out have has made the game a lot more enjoyable mm-hmm. uh i know i i kind of I'll, I'll speak at liberty for me myself and adam um, you can share your thoughts on it if you'd like, but I know me and Adam have talked about it. Uh, maybe when you weren't on, or if we were playing before you got on, we both agreed that the game is very similar, but a lot of the systems and a lot of the XP and everything is just a lot different, and it's a lot more fun. Um, there's a lot less dead time of like grinding to be able to like hit zombies with a with a club and not die in one hit, mm-hmm. and and it's just been a lot of uh, 
a lot of good stuff. The team there has been working. I mean, the game's been alpha for what feels like a million years. So yeah. just been playing a lot of that and um, would, would uh, like to just take a quick second to um, mention that uh, co-host and a friend of the show, Michael Collins, is uh, just dealing with some health issues right now. Um, seems to be getting through um, what what he was going through, at least medically speaking, mm-hmm. um, going forward, there's going to be a long recovery battle, but as of right now, um, you know, he's stable. Uh, he's, he's getting better every day. It seems like from the messages that I get from his girlfriend, just giving me updates on his, uh, current, uh, situation. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, for a little bit there, like I know on Sunday it was, um, it was pretty bleak. So, uh, luckily, he kind of fought his way through it, and he, he's getting through it. But I just want to send out my thoughts and uh, prayers to my boy Michael Collins, uh, one of my best friends, and just keep fighting, man. We're gonna be here for you when uh, when you need us, and and we'll get we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, obviously, a good friend of mine as well, and somebody we've been close to for a long time. Especially you. I mean, you introducing me to him ten plus years ago now, and mm-hmm. in Halo too. So like, yeah. You know, I mean, I've known him since eighth grade. And yeah, how old are you in eighth grade? Twelve, thirteen, or I don't remember. We're like what thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Yeah. Right? So, so we've known him a, a long ass time. Pretty much yeah. half our lives at this point. So you know, it's it's crazy that you know when you hit me up that hey, you know this is going on. It it's one of those you kind of stop everything and like you know yeah. kind of especially i mean the health problems he's had a couple of times before you know the kind of out of nowhere type of thing it's it's hit before and kind of think you got through the weeds there but then you know something like this you never know so it's it's just tough man i mean it's i'm like you that a couple days ago it was kind of rough sitting there sitting on that and kind of knowing that there's not much you can do and it just it just stinks but yeah, yeah i mean like you're saying it's you know it seems like knock on wood at least on the other side of working towards recovery and, you know, getting there and we'll obviously support him and everything he, you know, the recovery end of, you know, the things that he's battling. So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad you did bring that up and, you know, mention that because he is obviously an integral part of the show. Uh, we've had him on multiple times and he's always good to, you know, anytime <laughs> I get in a pinch, you get in a pinch, whatever. And, or we just want to obviously bring him on to bring talk him about on. it, you yeah. know, but he's been great of, me texting him if something comes up that you know hey life stuff hey marsh can't make it you can't make it you know hey are you i know this really last minute but tomorrow can you jump on the show or hey in like two hours can you jump on the <laughs> show yeah man I'll, I'll, no problem so um you know just as a friend you know like you you know we wish him nothing but the best getting getting better and you know just fighting through you know the stuff he's going through so but Brighter notes, though, yes, Seven Days to Die has been really fun. <laughs> not to not to make, I mean, to be honest, this is probably going to be a little bit more serious of a, a show than normal um, with some of the topics we're, you know, going to have to talk about. But uh, positively, no, Seven Days to Die has been absolutely fucking fantastic to jump back in now for the past week or so that we've been playing. Um, and it's it's really weird because it's it's almost a night and day experience from what we've had before, in my opinion, where... You know, we've played, you know, we'll go on, uh, I, and I'm like you, I, I, when I originally think of Seven Days to Die, the premise of it, I love, I love actually getting in there and playing it, but it, it always felt like there is this, I don't want to say barrier to entry, but there's also, there's always that, that mountain that you're looking at of knowing that it takes forever just to get set up. 
Like, mm-hmm. it, like it's it, it it is a bit of a task to get in there and just start a new character, start a new server, like to get in there. And some of the changes they've made though now with their updates and whatnot, it feels like it it benefits. Now, granted, too, we also have gotten to a point now where we are self sufficient. We're you know what on the server we're on uh, we just finished our second seven day cycle so like we're on day 15 you know it's a little different than you know we're up and running we have a camp now at this point a pretty you know heavily fortified base and everything like we're we're self-sufficient that we're now able to pretty much anytime adam could throw the server up or something like that we can it, it you could pick up and play for the most part it's it's very easy to do that right now and we can always focus on just little areas that, hey, I'm going to go get some wood. Hey, I'm going to work on fortifying this. Hey, I'm going to go and see if I can, you know, grind some zombies to get some scrap, like things like that. Um, but it seems like that barrier to entry, that barrier to just get up and get running has been so much more streamlined with some of the changes that they made that anytime I now want to, you know, think about playing that game, it's instantly, yeah, that's no problem. Even if we do start over from scratch or something like that, I don't feel as, not a burden, but y- you know what I mean, where it's it's just that, that it's almost like starting a new character in an MMO or starting a new character in, like, an Elder Scrolls game and not having that save before you leave the, the vault or the prison. Like, <laughs> having to go through all of that stuff again, like, just to get to the, you know, start a new character type of thing, but... At the same time, though, like I am I am having a blast playing that Um, and just having that game that now we can pop in and pop out and not have to worry about, Okay, you know, we're playing CSGO. Mike, you have to carry us, you know, Adam Adam and I can hold our own for the most part. Kyle never plays. Okay, that's not a game we can necessarily make sense for all of us to play together. It's, It's finding these games that like an Overwatch, like something like that, that isn't necessarily you don't have to have all the skill in the world to I I should say this. It benefits the skill players, but it also benefits, you know, those who aren't necessarily somebody who grinds competitive games every all the time. Where this is a game that's like that in obviously a different sense where everybody can fill a role of some sort. Mm-hmm. You could you can find something to do that's beneficial to help the greater good and be just as effective as this person who is going out there and like I said killing zombies through grind scrap and is really good at taking out zombies or is really great at, you know, you know, building or building and crafting and mm-hmm. actually doing that end of it where somebody can just be going out and getting wood. Somebody can just be going out and getting, you know, harvesting meat or something like that. And it's beneficial. Everything that you can do in that game is beneficial to the greater group, like greater good. And that's what I think, a lot of different like survival crafting games sometimes miss out because they're so individually focused where I feel so much that seven days to die, even though you can play it solo feels so much more complete, almost in the sense of a Minecraft where obviously Minecraft is a much different experience, but like in that vein of survival crafting that it benefits you most when playing with a group in terms of Mm -hmm. like, it feels made to play as a group, not necessarily somebody who's jumping in alone. Um, and I've just had, such, I, like you, I've had a blast playing that. I mean, we've been putting in, you know, well past midnight sessions during the week, <laughs> the past couple of nights playing this game. So, which usually I'm one to like, okay, like midnight, shut it down, whatever, you know, <laughs> on the weekends when I don't have anything going on with work and whatnot, like, yeah, it, 
till whenever but like yeah usually during the week since i gotta commute downtown i'm like i give myself to midnight a little bit after midnight or whatever but anymore it's like no no no, we gotta finish this cycle <laughs> we gotta keep going <laughs> we were just like we were we were both so quiet or we were all so quiet yeah, for like night. a half hour we were all quiet because we knew we were all like tired but we knew the objective needed to get done <laughs> <laughs> it was just so close to day 14 that we were like yep it's no, we got we, we got to do. It. <laughs> um, outside of that, though, on my end, uh, stuff I've been playing, kind of once again jumping in and out of a handful of things. Um, outside of I've been playing, obviously, a Nintendo game, but um, like Skyward Sword, Swords uh, HD remake or uh, remaster. I mean, that was re released. Um, I've been playing that on my own. Um, but also, too, jumping in, I started playing a little bit of Stardew Valley because I've been getting that itch, and I've also been wanting to like go back and start working on some pixel art again so like that inspiration has also kind of made me want to jump back in and play that um but one game that i picked up recently because it was free and granted i had it on console but i it was one of those oh i picked it up on black friday for like 10 bucks a handful of years ago um but one that i picked up because when it was free on twitch prime right now which you can go and get still um but i also bought the like premium edition on steam because it was like on sale for like five dollars because you got all the map or like all the season pass stuff but i start playing some battlefield one and i think that's like because not battlefield five but battlefield one like <laughs> from a handful of years ago now like five years ago um because one it was free and two i always i always look at that game as being one of the most graphically impressive games of the past like 10 years um where it was the first real example we saw of photogrammetry being done in an impactful way on consoles on base consoles um mm-hmm. that i kind of it, it was one of those games that i really stopped and was like holy shit this is this even for a first person shooter on like you know i don't want to say a limited scale because battlefield usually that's the 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 shtick the gimmick of it is these huge scale you know 64 to 128 now you know player battles but the graphical fidelity that they're able to get with that. And I was like, oh, you know, now that I have, you know, a now that I've upgraded my PC over the past year a little bit, like I want to see what this thing can do, especially now uh, 1440p monitor and stuff like that. Like I want to see what this thing can do. And like playing that game at ultra settings, one hundred, you know, at 1440p on uh, ultra settings and stuff like that with like 165 frames per second, like it's ridiculous. Like, and it makes me, and I think too, I also like had the itch to play it because surprisingly the new Battlefield looks pretty decent. I'm not going to <laughs> probably go out and buy it, but sure. like I'll play the trial on like, because I'm sure it'll have a trial on EA Play like through Game Pass. Like, so, you know, and that's a game that I was, I was really hoping we'd see at E3 get announced for Game Pass. Like, hey, this is coming day one to Game Pass uh, with EA Play and whatnot. Like, I was hoping that would end up being, like, Xbox would shell out the money for that. But Battlefield's such a cash cow for EA somehow. Like, and I'm one of those people that, like, for the longest time, I not talk shit on Battlefield, but, like, I've never understood the shtick with it compared to other first-person shooters until I started kind of playing it. I'm like, okay, I get it. It's, it's really good on PC. Like it is really, really, really good on PC. <laughs> so I highly recommend it for $5 out there. I, I know I sent it to our group. I was like, yeah, just for like five bucks, everyone, if you can pick it up, cause like it, it could be one, even if we played for one night, like it'd be fun. Um, it's a $5 investment, right? The, 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 the pros weigh the, con- like overweigh the cons much 
much more. So it's, yeah, if you're looking for something to jump in and play, even for the single player campaign and stuff like that, if you, on PC, that is, jump in there and play it because it looks fucking fantastic at those high frame rates. Um, it's just stupid. <laughs> but anyways, Mike, before we get too long into it, we got a lot to talk about today. So let's shed into button mash. Let's kick off the show with some of our quick hit news articles to get you set before we head into our big topics for the week. So starting with on button mash, of course, we got to talk a little Halo. This time, though, Halo 4. I know Halo 4. That's we're getting into we're getting into some, uh, you know, I'm going to step on some toes maybe a little bit with this, but really interesting article that kind of popped up that IGN did a story on. But Marcus Late, uh, Marcus Leto, the co-creator of the original Halo games with Bungie, he also made Disintegration earlier this year, and he's actually he was the head of the studio there. Their studio, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Unfortunately, it's shutting down, which sucks. But um, I heard decent things about Disintegration, but I haven't checked it out. Um, but I heard decent things about it. But anyways, though. Uh, Leto, the co-creator of the original Halo games with Bungie, recently talked about some of Bungie's original ideas for Halo 4. He explained that Bungie's ideas were not dissimilar from what 343 Industries produced when they took the reins of the Halo series. In a inter video interview with YouTube channel Hidden Xperia, Leto talked about Bungie's ideas for Halo 4, which the company explored before setting, uh, settling on making the prequel game Halo Reach. Quote, we did mull it over for a little bit. We ended Halo 3 with, uh, wake me when you need me. The, you know, famous quote from Chief at the end of the game. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> and we knew if we were going to launch into the Master, uh, into Master Chief's story beyond Halo 3, that it was going to be a big tr trilogy like this. He added that the team was looking to introduce the Forerunner mystery that launched 343's new trilogy, though Bungie's approach would have differed, or differed a bit from Halo 4's. Quote, We would probably have kept the Forerunners much more of a mystery and introduced Master Chief to a different set of enemies as well. But ultimately, Bungie's thought process was, quote, not all that dissimilar to what 343 Industries actually ended up doing, but we knew that if we were to venture into that, it would have been so much more than we would have been able to tackle contractually with Microsoft and Clue. Bungie opted to make a game about fall, the fall of Reach in a bombastic prequel that didn't even star Master Chief. Well, technically. Well, it didn't star Master Chief, but look into it. You can find it. Um, Bungie then parted ways with Microsoft, branching out to create Destiny, while Microsoft formed 343 Industries to start a new trilogy of Halo games, starting with Halo 4. So, a little tidbit for you there. Uh, now, unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but it's it's back to back to back to back to back Ubisoft stories right now because their q q1 i guess that would be yeah q1 earnings must have came out for this this week so a lot of ubisoft stuff coming up here so bear with me a little bit um ubisoft has unveiled the next game entry in the tom clancy's universe x defiant a free-to-play 6v6 shooter featuring groups from across the tom clancy universe and before we even get into it you already know that splinter cell was represented in this you know, let's just get it out there. We can make the jokes about this. We can we can laugh at Travis now. We can we can we can send him the Will Smith pain meme if you want. That's fine. Let's just get it fucking done with. I'll give you three seconds. I right? one. Two. Okay, there 
you go. That's all your time. <laughs> it's been developed by Ubisoft. Or it's being developed by Ubisoft San Francisco, led by Mark Rubin as executive producer and Jason Schroeder as creative director. In the reveal trailer, we got a look at the number of competitive FPS features, including a number of maps, characters, and abilities. One of the more notable features is the playstyle customization, where players first select a faction from among Tom Clancy Universe groups, such as the Wolves from Ghost Recon, uh, Echelon from Splinter Cell, Outcasts, Cleaners from The Division, and much more, with more planned for release after launch in each with its own unique abilities. Alongside their factions, players can fully customize a loadout of primary and secondary weapons, attachments, and more with weapons not limited by faction. These loadouts can also be adjusted during combat at respawn. Following that up, Ubisoft has unfortunately once again delayed both Rainbow Six Extraction and Riders Republic, with the former moving to January 2022 and the latter moving to October 28th of this year. In separate posts, the publisher attributed uh, that ex extraction, I'm sorry, delay, uh, delay, attributed the extraction delay, there we go, Travis Words, to the need of, quote, to take uh, the additional time to bring this vision to life, while saying Riders Republic needed, quote, more time to fine-tune the experience and give you another chance to jump in before launch and provide feedback. Following that up, after a pointed departure from Steam releases in recent years, Ubisoft might be reconsidering the platform thanks to Valve's new, uh, recent new handheld announcement, the Steam Deck. In its Q1 earnings call earlier this week, Ubisoft CEO Yves Gamont responded to an investor question about his thoughts on the Steam Deck by suggesting it might spark future Ubisoft game releases on the platform. Quote, We're happy to see the Steam Deck coming to the industry. It shows that it continues a flow of very innovative new hardware coming to the market, he said. So we will look and see how big it becomes, but if it's big, we will be able to put our games on it. Following that up, <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil 2, a game announced, Four years ago at E3 2017, I can't believe that's been four years ago, but Jesus, definitely still exists, says Ubisoft, but it's still, quote, too early to say anything about this game, which is crazy to think about. Um, it's a textbook example of maybe, you know, hold it till you have something to show. <laughs> the prequel slash sequel to the 2003 title got a rare mention today in Ubisoft's Q1 earnings, with Ubisoft simply listing it as part of its plans for, quote, expanding premium offering over the coming years. This went almost entirely unremarked upon during the subs subsequent earnings call until a Jeffrey spokesperson asked to be permitted a, quote, final fanboy question uh, asking if the mention of the game meant it might be appearing over the horizon, maybe for fiscal 2024. Quote, that's good try, that's good try Ken, replied CFO Frederick Dugan. Quote, we've progressed with Beyond Good and Evil 2, but it's still, still too early to tell you at this stage. After a reported eight years in development, and I promise this is the last Ubisoft story, <laughs> Ubisoft Skull and Bones, that's right, the like simulation style pirates uh uh sea of thieves i should say experience if you want to call it from ubisoft has reached alpha after eight years a term generally used to denote when the game is in a playable state even if assets aren't totally complete yet. a new report seems to lay bare how many issues it's faced in getting to this point from beginning life as an assassin's creed black flag expansion to only remaining in existence because of a deal with the government of singapore in response to a lengthy report from Kotaku, an Ubisoft spokesperson told the publication that, quote, the Skull and Bones team are proud of the work they've accomplished on the project since their last update with production just passing Alpha and are excited to share more details when the time is right, end quote. 
that project appears to have been a deeply tumultuous one, however. Kotaku's anonymous developer source says that the game began life as a planned expansion, multiplayer expansion to Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag before morphing into a mooted MMO spinoff called Black Flag Infinite. After that, the project was allegedly turned into a new IP, uh, Skull and Bones, but even Skull and Bones itself appears to have taken multiple different forms since then. So, done with the Ubisoft now. Stop now. <laughs> Hades has won Game of the Year, uh, the Game of the Year Award at the 2021 Game Developers Choice Awards, GDC for those who aren't familiar with it. Uh, the award ceremony, which is part of the GDC, uh, honored Supergiant's Supergiant Games' Greek myth-inspired roguelite with its top award. Additionally, Hades was also awarded Best Audio and Best Design. And finally, a PUBG animated series is officially in development, with Castlevania executive producer Adi Shankar at the helm. Crafton Inc. announced a new partnership with Shankar that will see him create and showrun an upcoming animated series based on the PUBG IP. In a press release, Shankar said, he was, quote, grateful and excited about being given the opportunity to help shape the project and bring the world of PUBG to life, having been an avid player of the game since launch. Quote, as a player, I've been crushing the competition in the battleground since PUBG released in 2017, uh, Sean said in a statement accompanying the announcement. I'm grateful to Crafton for the trust and confidence they placed in me to ex execute my vision as a filmmaker, and I'm excited to embark on this journey together. And quote. So, Mike. For all that, especially all that Yubi stuff, stuff that we had to go to back to back to back. Anything you want to run back before we head into our big topics for this week? Um, yeah, you should have just named it Ubisoft News. I don't I, even I, really. I should have. Button mash. To be to be quite honest, I probably should have this week. <laughs> but um, no, uh, the only thing I really want to cover, I, I think it is interesting when. I mean, me being a huge Halo fan, I think I think the conversation that Marcus Leto had with Hidden Xperia was you know pretty interesting mm -hmm. and you know hearing that bungie kind of had an idea about halo 4 but realized that they were running up against contract timeout which is a bummer because i wish they would have just wanted to go through with it because they might have signed with with microsoft again but um it is what it is i mean you can't change history um you can look back and say what if but mm -hmm. obviously interesting to hear that conversation that conversation take place uh just a quick quick few things on uh ubisoft notes um also that I, the development studio that he uh marcus Leto started for disintegration was v1 interactive i couldn't remember. okay i knew it was like a one i knew it was some kind of like one letter one number combination and it was like on the tip of my tongue but yes v1 interactive who unfortunately was closing down later this year i believe it was later this year or within yeah. the next fiscal year of them so which sucks but i wanted to throw that out there go ahead continue mike there you go, folks. But um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I really want to talk about is like, or the only other few things I'd really want to talk about in particular is like the X Defiant news. Mm -hmm. Personally, not a big hero shooter fan. So this just completely misses a mark for me. Um, maybe other people will enjoy it. But to me, it's a little bit of a disappointing. Um, it's a disappointing venture, in my opinion. Um, what was that again? The new Ubisoft? The new yeah, X Defiant. Yeah, um, it's it's a disappointing it's a dis disappointing story for me, specifically because I'm someone who loves the Rainbow Six genre, like loves the Rainbow Six universe so much, but feel like um, Siege did very little to further that entire um, universe. But mm -hmm. 
I, I'm sure there's going to be people that like hero shooters and want to play it. So I, I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. I probably won't be taking part in it unless it really blows my socks off in, in beta or something weird, but um just probably not going to be taking part in that. And this just, this all this chain of information with Ubisoft delaying Rainbow Six, uh, Extraction and Riders Republic and everything. It's just a, it's a, a little bit of an up and down um, news week for Ubisoft personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish they would, uh, I wish they'd do what uh, I'd like them to do. But at the end of the day, uh, for every person like me and you who wants a Splinter Cell experience or maybe a traditional Rainbow Six or even Ghost Recon experience, um, there's probably people out there that want this. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be, it'll be a good time for for you guys. But uh the the eight year skull and bones thing pretty wild but um the PUBG animated series like i haven't gotten to watch the resident evil one that came on netflix i don't know if you've watched it or not but i haven't gotten a chance to watch i actually might watch that tonight um I, i've heard it's let's put it this way it's it's so bad it's good kind of thing okay um no i i shouldn't say that but comparative to some of the other video game property especially the anime that have come out for um castlevania i know dragon's dogma wasn't received that well but castlevania really being this like tentpole example of like look this is what everyone should look to do which obviously they're trying to do that again with PUBG by bringing in you know Audi into that who is overseeing you know stuff with the castlevania uh anime which is fantastic i highly recommend even if you're not into anime and you're into video games or not really into castlevania but you're into anime watch it it's i'm i'm not a big castlevania fan and i'm not a big anime fan but i binged the fuck out of it and it was really good (laughs) but continue mike i I didn't mean to cut you off no no you're good um i just like i feel like they're kind of going this route like when you can't get a big enough budget to make something like the witcher series which that I loved, by the way. Might mm-hmm. not be the biggest fan of The Witcher 3 because it's a lot to unpack right oh, off yeah. the bat. But um, no, I mean, I, I love that series with all my heart. So it's very good. I uh, I just feel like it's just interesting to see more of these games and PUBG being one of them, like going into this anime cartoon um, type of, of realm. I mean, it's cool, but I just don't know, like, where are we going to draw the line? What What's next? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch as it plays out to see how successful these animes really are, because things could get kind of crazy because uh, some of you, some of you guys that are listening might be too young to remember, but there was like a, there was a Sonic TV show. There was a Mario brothers TV show. There was all these TV shows based on video games. And it was just like an interesting time in like the late (laughs) eighties. And now it feels like we're like repeating history. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm, cautiously optimistic um because of how successful i've seen the anim like the anime takes on some of these properties from that same production company i am cautiously optimistic i in the i believe the dota 2 one came out as well was very well received as well so um yeah i'm cautiously optimistic i'm not the biggest PUBG person so but i i think the the meta in the universe they built around that game is interesting and i I mean, if they want to expand on that, more power to them. I would check it out. And, you know, I'm one of those people, if it doesn't grab me in an episode or two, I'm I'm out. 
because yeah. I, I got more video games to play kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, but I'm, I'm definitely down to give it a try. And I'm, I'm all for using, I want obviously good video game adaptations or takes on, you know, things in different, you know, avenues of media. But it, even if it's used as a marketing tool to just bring more people into play the, you know, the property it's based on, you know, this point, PUBG, getting more people interested in gaming. I'm cool with that, man, whatever it takes. So anyways, though, Mike, let's head into our big topics for this week. We've got a couple, but I'm not going to lie. The first one isn't necessarily the most positive thing to talk about. Um, it's actually very shitty. So um, but I think it's important to at least talk about and bring to the table and kind of educate our audience about i think um who may not know what's going on with this mm -hmm. um and obviously a lot of information still coming out um regarding this it's a, a, about a two-year investigation i believe that was done with this but um it's it's it was tough to see last night um in general so um obviously if you're you know been you know paying attention to the zeitgeist within gaming right now what's going on and everything like that um of course we're talking about the Activision Blizzard story that's coming out where um, Activision Blizzard is being sued by California over allegations of what they're calling frat boy culture and sexual harassment. Um, you know, I think it's a, I, to a degree. I mean, I think they're, you know, I, I think they're using that term frat boy culture as a nice way of necessarily a light way of putting, you know, even potentially rape culture. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, and obviously, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, as somebody who has OCD, as somebody who has anxiety, uh, and understands triggers and understands trigger warnings and content warnings and stuff like that, we're going to be talking about some stuff that might be, you know, considered trigger warnings. So obviously just want to give you guys a heads up if you are somebody dealing with that, um, and somebody who has experiences, um, that this may cause you, you know, triggers for anxiety, depression, anything like that. Um, obviously trigger warnings here. Um, you know, if you want to skip this part, I'll put timestamps in and, you know, we'll see you a little bit later down the episode. Just want to make sure everyone's comfortable. So, um, but with that being said, Mike, let's jump into it. Um, Matt TM Kim over on IGN, who is fantastic as always has a really good write up on this. Um, the original, the original um, report and original piece was done by Jason Schreier. Um, it's very, very in depth. I'm going to link that as well. Uh, but just for time's sake, um, I think Matt did a really good job writing up and getting the jux of this that um, we can base our conversation on. But I will be including Jason Schreier's full report on this um, that I think would be very good for everyone to sit down and read. It's just very lengthy. I didn't want to, you know, obviously for time constraints and whatnot, but. Mike, let's jump into it. Following a two-year investigation by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the state has filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for fostering a quote-unquote frat boy culture in which female employees are allegedly subject to unequal pay and sexual harassment. As reported by Bloomberg, Activision Blizzard is being accused by the state of California of discriminating against female employees at nearly all levels of employment, including in regards to compensation, promotion, assignment, and termination. The state alleges Activision Blizzard's leadership has failed to address any of these outstanding issues or prevent them from occurring within the workplace. You can read the full details of the lawsuit, obviously, like I said, going to include them in uh, the link to the article to Jason's. Uh, report and everything like that so that'll be included in here 
The suit filed Tuesday in the Los Angeles Supreme or Superior Court, I'm sorry, says Activision Blizzard, which is made up of about 20% women, assigns women and women of color to, quote, lower paid and lower opportunity levels with lower starting pay for similar work as their male counterparts. The document also accuses Activision Blizzard of fostering a, quote unquote, perverse frat boy workplace culture in the office. Male employees are said to drink quote, copious amounts of alcohol as they make their way through cubicle or through cubicles and, quote, often engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees. Male employees are said to come to work hungover, play video games during work, quote, while delegating their responsibilities to female employees, engage in banter about their sexual encounters, talk openly about female bodies and joke about rape. The lawsuit also cites one particular incident where a female employee who was already subjugated to intense sexual harassment at the company committed suicide during a work trip with a male supervisor who allegedly brought inappropriate uh, sexual items with him on a trip. The lawsuit is asking for an injunction that will force Activision Blizzard to comply with workplace uh, protections as well as deliver unpaid wages. Uh, pay uh, pay adjustments, back pay, and lost wages and benefits for female employees. An Activision Blizzard spokesperson sent out the following statement in response to the allegations. We value diversity and strive to foster a workplace that offers inclusivity for everybody. There is no place in our company or industry or any industry for sexual misconduct or harassment of any kind. We take every allegation serious and investigate all claims. In cases related to misconduct, action was taken to address these issues. The DFEH include, uh, includes distorted and, in many cases, false uh, descriptions of Blizzard's past. We have been extremely cooper- er, cooperative and the DFEH throughout their investigation, including providing them with extensive data and ample documentation, but they refused to inform us what issues they perceived. They were required by law to adequately investigate and to have good faith decisions with us uh, to better understand understand and to resolve any claims or concerns before going to litigation, but they failed to do so. Instead, they rushed to file an inaccurate complaint, and uh, as we will demonstrate in court. We are sickened by the uh, reprehensible conduct of the DFEH to drag into the complaint the tragic suicide of an employee whose passing has no bearing whatsoever on this case and with no regard for her grieving family. While we find this behavior to be disgraceful and unprofessional, it is unfortunate, or unfortunately an example of how they have conducted themselves throughout the course of their investigation. It is this type of irresponsible behavior from uh, unaccountable state bureaucrats that are driving many of the state's best businesses uh, out of California. The picture the DFEH paints is not the blizzard workplace of today. Over the past several years and continuing since the initial investigation started, we've made significant changes to address company culture and reflect more diversity within our leadership teams. We've updated our code of conduct to emphasize a strict non-retaliation focus, amplified internal programs and channels for employees to report violations, including the, quote, ask list with a confidential or confidential integrity hotline and introduced an employee relations team dedicated to investigating employee concerns. We have strengthened our commitment to diversity, equality, er, equity and inclusion and combined our employee networks at a global level to provide additional support. 
Employees must undergo regular anti-harassment training and have done so for many years. We put tremendous effort in creating fair and rewarding compensation packages and policies that reflect our uh, culture and business, and we strive to pay all employees fair for equal or substantially uh, similar work. We take a, a variety of proactive steps to ensure that pay is driven by non-discriminatory factors. For example, we reward and compensate employees based on their performance, and we conduct extensive anti-discrimination trainings, including for those who are a part of the compensation process. We are confident in our ability to demonstrate our practices as an equal opportunity employer that fosters a supportive, diverse, and inclusive workplace for our people, and we are committed to continuing this effort in the years to come. It is a shame that the DFEH did not want to engage with us on what they, they thought they were seeing in the their investigation. And that's the end of the statement. So it, it's heartbreaking, to say the least, to see a story like this break. I mean, you take, you take the... You take the litigation and you take all of the, you know, legal battle out of it. Um, mm -hmm. Any time you see something like this pop up, whether it is, you know, Hey, this is what we're doing now. This is what we've been doing. Yada, yada. There's, there's a hint of truth to everything, no matter what. Um, there's a reason why something like this was kicked off. Not, you know, Hey, look, this is where we're at now, which is great. You know, Hey, if there is everything under the sun that they've changed moving forward to better, you know, compensate. And most importantly, especially when we're talking about sexual harassment and things like that to, you know, obviously mitigate anything like that from happening, you know, that's great. That's awesome. I, and I'm one of those people who, you know, yes, call shitty people out, but also too, I want shitty people to be better people. And I want shitty mm -hmm. people to not fuck off into the sun, you know, unless you're like Hitler or some shit like that. But like, I, sure. I, I want people to be better. I want people mm -hmm. to grow. I want people to change. I want I want our world to be better instead of just completely pulverizing people. I want people to, yeah, tear them down a little bit, but tear them down in a good way to build them into better people that can be allies and things like that. So, but, I mean, when the story like this breaks, it just breaks your heart. Um, you know, take Blizzard out of it. You know, while, you know, that's a developer I've loved for such a long time, you loved for such a long time, Adam. So many people have loved and admired and, you know, supported their games and things like that for so long. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is insert any company in this store, into the story. And it's just, like I said, completely heartbreaking. Um, you know, as sad as it is to say, though, it doesn't necessarily shock me that we hear something like this, you know, given mm -hmm. everything we've really seen come to light over the past few years within gaming, you know, surrounding this shitty boys club culture and stuff. And, you know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to be chummy with people. It's one thing to, you know, joke around and, you know, take jabs at people, you know, people you work with on a daily basis who, you know, you have a good relationship with, you know, my boss and I, we're very close. We're very, very close because we've been working together now a long time and we've worked a lot of long hours together in our line of work. We bust each other's balls up. You know, it just, that is what it is. Like, and we have that understanding, that mutual understanding that that's okay. And we've talked about it and things like that. Like, we're open and talking about it. That is completely different in a completely different stratosphere than anything like, hey, let's talk about you know, let's talk about 
you know, hooking up with somebody who's in this office right now in the cubicle over there and talking about what exactly we like about her. And she's right there. And man, I'd love if she'd crawl under this desk right now and go after me, you know, like stuff like, like that's no, that's fucked up. Like that is that shouldn't shit like that should never happen. And it happens in every industry, which is Mm -hmm. fucked up as it is. And, you know, I mean, some of, like I was saying before, some of the shit that Jason's reporting goes into and this investigation talks about, like, some of the sexual harassment incidents are very indicative of rape culture. Um, and that's where we get into, this is on a completely different level than, oh, we're just messing around. We're just having fun. We're just this. No, that's no. I mean, I'm not a woman. I wouldn't know what it's, it's like to be a woman um, in that situation. I, you know, as a, you know, overweight, probably I would be considered overweight, <laughs> you know, out of shape, white dude cis white dude like you know i i don't have anybody cat calling me like i wouldn't i've never been in that situation i would never know what it's like to be in that situation nor would i ever you know expect how i know somebody feels about that and the fact that this is becoming so just fucking normal it's just it's sad it's just fucking sad so i guess my question mike is you know, why is this culture become so common within an industry like this, that one that we love, one that, you know, we dedicate so much of our lives to, whether it's, you know, in a work-related sense like this, making content, you know, whatever. We we have this enduring love for this industry, but it's an industry that has tried to be so forward-facing for a long time, tried to become more inclusive over the past handful of years to really push, you know, hey, we want to give, you know, those who haven't had a voice for so long who have been pushed off to the side unjustly, we want to make sure they get a voice right now. We want to make sure there are more female voices, more black voices, more, you know, Hispanic voices, any, you know, we're talking all across the board, anybody who is, you know, a minority that we want to make sure that you have a voice, not just cis white males. Um, You know, so just why at this point has this culture become so common within a within an industry that has tried to be so forward facing like why is this still mm-hmm. such a sticking point i guess you know while obviously we've talked about it before change doesn't necessarily come overnight to me this this isn't this isn't a oh you know we're changing a policy for how we handle something no this is like this is inexcusable to me like mm-hmm. this is this is this is basic human like who the fuck ever taught you that was okay to do type of thing like I don't know. That's just me. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're, you you kind of have a, a perfect storm brewing when you have a workplace that is, you know, primarily male, 80% to 20%. Mm-hmm. It's something that, again, this is, this is pretty much how I see this just from a, a standpoint of someone who, um, just has been in a, in a few different workplaces and potentially when I was younger, especially back in 2012, might've even kind of maybe not so much outwardly created this type of culture or partook in this type of culture. But as someone who as a 19 year old kid in 2012, when I worked at Best Buy, mm-hmm. it, it was a weird time because Best Buy is just like, 
it's this weird place we best not even best buy just anywhere retail like that it's like a big it's like going back to high school but you have like 40 year old dudes and sometimes 40 year old women uh working there and you have a culture that is kind of anytime a young female who may or may not be attractive to your standards because beauty's in the eye of the beholder in my humble opinion you know when someone like that steps into a workplace like this i can't i can't begin to imagine what it would be like because ultimately it's i I can understand why girls when i when i go to the gym and i see women there and there's 15 guys working out in my gym and there's two females or anytime there's a majority man male uh community somewhere i couldn't even begin to 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 think what it would feel like to be in that predicament as someone who's not part of the majority. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to a story like this, obviously the state of California had to be tipped off by someone. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts in, in prayers go out to the victims. Well, um, the, the person who took their lives family. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that they can try to find solace and, and some type of answers to their questions. I'm, I'm sure uh, they're out there, but um you know, it comes from people being incredibly brave and speaking up when something's not right. Mm-hmm. And I myself have tried to get better. Maybe maybe not so much even at the workplace because I do work somewhere that seems to be a lot more inclusive. But, you know, I've always tried to be someone who has stepped out and at least, you know... Growing up in 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 Pittsburgh, we we're a Midwest city, but we a lot of the sense of humor and and interactions are a lot more Northeast city what way. And if you're from the New England area or from the the Northeast, you understand what I mean when we like. If I like you, if you're if if I think you're cool and we're friends, if I'm not busting your balls, you should maybe be worried because mm-hmm. I I might be mad at you. That's like oh, a northeast it's, it's, thing. It's like the meme of like that you see the, of uh, that you'll see like somebody post about how my best friends and I talk, or like how you see best friends on TV talk. All right, I'll see you later, man. And then like how me and my best friends talk. Fuck off, pussy. And then it's yeah. like it's like ah, oh, great dude, great dude. You know, like, yeah. Like it's just that is. I, I think that's such a common thing, like mm-hmm. that you find, but. But to your point, like what you're saying, and not to cut you off, but like how, you know, I, and this is, I'm somebody who is, you know, clinically diagnosed with OCD. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time of what if scenarios, looking back on past mistakes, things like that, that, you know, and recently I've been going through a pretty decent way. I mean, I know you know this, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't really talked about it publicly on the show or anything like that, but like, you know, I've been going through a pretty decent wave the past couple of months of you know bouts heavily with my OCD and you know it is thinking about you know things kind of along in this line of you know oh was this was this interaction I had inappropriate one time or something like that like different things like that and I think that's normal for people to think about but you know I look back on and I think that's why you know I think so many people now we want to look at cancel culture in a way that is very much, you know, black and white. And while, yes, we need to call out people who are doing shitty things and say, Hey, that's shitty. Fuck off. Don't do that. Like be, but to my point is 
I don't, I want people to get better. I've seen mm-hmm. growth in myself. Like, yes, there are certain, you know, things that I do. And I kind of look back to a point on, I, I talk about, I've talked about this before of, you know, I've had uh, one of the first interactions I had in college was I ended up meeting somebody who, you know, as a friend, like found out he was gay. Yeah, that's cool. That's no problem. You know, obviously I've never had an issue. I've always tried to be, you know, an ally. I've tried to, you know, be very vocal, especially over the past handful of years. Now I've been very vocal at my support of making sure that, you know, love is love and, you know, making sure LGBTQ rights are met and, you know, are given the same you know, rights that I have uh, personally. Mm-hmm. At least. But one of the, you know, I remember making, you know, the statement, uh, you know, we were talking about something and in our group and I said, ah, oh, that's gay. And he stopped. I was like, dude, I'm right here. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't mean it like that. And he said, no, 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 that's you're good. But let's talk about that. Let's like, I know what you mean. There's a better word for that. Like, yeah, this is what it means when I hear that as a gay man, mm-hmm. like this, that's not. And since then, it's kind of clicked like, OK, like try to change those habits. Try to sure. do what it might be, you know, and we bust our balls. We say words, you and I or me, you and Adam, whoever, like just that we probably would never say in our close friend group that it's not, you know, but it's changing those habits and things like that, mm-hmm. that when I see stories like this that doesn't apply like that isn't Mm -hmm. where it's like i see those mentalities of like yes those are small things that hey this is how the world operated at one point for so long of yeah these common phrases things like that that are blanket they're variables you could post you could it's interchangeable you could put in any word it's just a blanket word that doesn't necessarily mean it has maybe in that view it's a negative connotation or something like that that is fucked up now when you look at it, but it never meant what the actual word meant kind of thing like that, that you yeah. threw out there. But you know, that's 10 years ago or something. Like yeah. That. And now that people are growing past it to say, no, that's fucked up. Don't do that. Like in learning why, like people grow out of that. And that's mm-hmm. what you want with this where, you know, and I noticed that between our friend group and stuff like that. Like you just, and I think that's natural. You get older and you start learning these things and you get better at them, but much more so now in the, you know, what we're talking about or like what people talk about now and the, you know, where society is now, I guess we should say. Yeah. But what we see with something like this with Blizzard and Activision, like, you know, if these allegations are true, which like I said, there's smoke, there's fire um, mm-hmm. that to a degree at least. That's something that is just never, that's where I wonder, like, where, where, how is that even, like, there's a difference between being, like, oh, that girl's hot, or something that I work with, or something, like, sure, still don't say that kind of thing, like, while you're at work, or whatever, like, you know, but that's much different compared to, hey, let's get drunk at the job and let's go around and go to a, a female employee's cubicle and hit on her or try to do stuff that would be inappropriate outside of work at work. Like, yeah. that's where I wonder, like, where the fuck does that actually at what point in somebody's life where they taught that's OK? Yeah, that you, I you don't have to worry about that. Like, do that. I've- I think it's a I think it's a combination of a lot of things and and you know you bring up a very good point and where I was going 
um, with my with my previous work experience. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, that's okay. I'm doing that a lot tonight. (laughs) No, that's good. With an environment like that, is you run into a situation where if nobody ever corrects you, you don't necessarily ever think there's anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you brought up a a really good point. Ten years ago, we it was a lot different in the world than it than it is now. And I'm reminded every time I turn on HBO now or HBO go, uh, excuse me. And I watch entourage, mm-hmm. especially the beginning seasons. There was a lot of stuff in that show that is just not okay now. And there is a lot of stuff that there's a lot of misogyny and stuff in that show that again is not okay now. And I'm not going to be the person who tries to, say what was right then and what was right now but we you know I, I can say this with with both of us in mind we grew up at a time that we were kind of with the locker room culture and stuff like that that we grew up with we were go- we went through a phase where basically there was there was a lot of thi- a lot of people were mistreated a lot of not even just there were a lot of minority groups out there that were spoken harshly against we use slang terms wildly normally like it was a normal conversation mm-hmm. and i feel like it was something that the adults around us also partook in mm-hmm. especially depending on where you grew up and now we're going through a phase in, in society that we're supposed to be growing and getting better but you know you bring up a perfect point about the flip side of of cancel culture and you know again you bring up a a wonderful point about wanting to hold people accountable and understandably so, but there's also a a flip side to it that you've brought up, which is just general mental health awareness with, with everything. And you directly are affected by it. Not saying, you know, I'm not trying to condone the behavior or try to downplay it, whatever. I'm just trying to say that for everyone out there that is like the biggest, like big into growing society, being inclusive, having, you know, this, this, um, I I try to call it accountability culture because I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of cancel culture for the reasons you brought up. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, I'd like for it to just be straight up accountability and we just need to, we need to work to get better as a, as, as a whole society. But when it comes to workplace, it's a place that whether, whether it be women, um, people in a minority group whatever the case may be but in this case on this topic specifically women work should be a place that they feel welcomed work should be a place where they feel somewhat comfortable in a professional manner and there's ways that you carry yourself in a professional sense in a professional setting and there's ways that you carry yourself outside of that professional setting and i feel like in 2021 the professional setting is bleeding over into the personal life, which I'm okay with, but there's a lot of people that never got on the professional setting train in general. And I try to live by like, I'm trying to get better. And I'm trying to say like, if I can't say it in front of my grandmother, like if my grandmother would be appalled at what I said, say clearly it's not okay. Yeah. And you know, just harassing women acting this way. I think one of the reasons why it's so rampant, especially in the video game culture but it it's it's rampant in a lot of different workplaces but specifically when it comes to video game you know video the video game development world it kind of breeds this this the tip the like the typical stereotype of someone who would work on a video game or who would code 
you know, some people who are outside of the coding world don't know many people that code and they just believe that they're nerds. They, you know, are, are basement dwelling incels. They're this, they're that, whatever term you want to use to degrade someone of that nature. Mm-hmm. They believe that. And it's stuff like this that comes out that makes people have confirmation bias it's like oh i think these people who code video games are fucking nerds they're clowns they don't know how to talk to women they don't know how to interact with other human beings at all they're better interacting with computers maybe they should just stick to interacting with computers Uh and i'm not defending that mentality i'm just simply saying that when people act like this you present confirmation bias for everyone else and that's something that I know minority groups, you know, fight on a daily basis as people using confirmation bias to defend their bigotry. And we just as a society need to help everyone progress. Because at the end of the day, I think if a lot more people who whether whether you be an only child or if you have siblings, if you pictured the woman that you were talking about with such a negative sense uh, in such a negative light. Uh-huh. Um, if you thought that was your mother, your grandmother, your sister, how would you feel if you had a little sister and someone was talking about your little sister like that? Right. You, people just need to be a lot more aware at what they're about, what they're saying. And I even find myself checking people to this day. Like I had a coworker who was talking about wanting to ask another coworker out. And he said, yeah, I kind of said we should go out for drinks, whatever. And she was like, oh yeah, we can all go out. And I want, and he said, and I, and, and I quote, I wanted to be like, no, I just want to go out with you. And then I retorted to him. I'm like, hey, man, like it's 2021. Like if you are interested in her in a romantic sense, Mm -hmm. that's that's one thing. But workplace and romance just never mixes. Right. And it doesn't mix well. So I just said you should just I, I just warned him like you should be very careful and you should really worry about what you how you how you say what you say mm-hmm. is going to come across to her because you don't want to make her feel alienated because if she, she doesn't need to be put in a position where she needs to turn you down for a date. And then, you know, God lonely Island joke about this a long time, but she doesn't want you to go in and shit on her desk because she turns you down type thing. Like, right. I know I, I don't, I, I'm not using that as a joke in a, in a serious way, like, like to try to make mm-hmm. this not any more important than it is. But, you know, lonely Island made, made the song. I'm, like a boss and it was satire but at the same time i feel like lonely island has this knack for mixing satire with like kind of hard-hitting truths Mm -hmm. and that was one of them that comes to mind when when it when we had this when this news when this bombshell dropped and again like you said where there's smoke there's fire and people i've already read people say oh where's your proof yada yada and then i've also seen people defending you know the the women that have been brave enough to come up and come out and and shed light on this and i i applaud again i applaud the women they're so brave for coming forward even the men if it was if it was mm-hmm. men that were reporting this good for you trying to create a and that's inclusive... even, i want to say that's even better because that takes yeah that that is exactly what we're that is exactly what we're asking for as a collective who are trying to eliminate this we're like mm-hmm. you know and and that's because that's a hard thing to like. I want to say that's a hard thing to do with the mochismo, like you know, tough guy persona that was pushed on men for so long to you know see something, say something that never necessarily you know outside of you know you see somebody trying to like 
you know, grab somebody in the streets type of grope somebody. Yes. But yeah. we're, we're saying like in these, you know, workplace environments that could be technically like that could, you know, impact the person who is reporting this to, yep. you know, oh, well, oh, you had to be a little pussy and tell on us or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're that's where I say like, you know, that's where I think more pressure even lies on the men to report this to say like, you know, and like you're saying more props to them for doing that. And, you know, cause I'm sure there were people who brought that up who were men who said, yeah, no, fuck this. Like, you know, and soon enough, we're going to get to the point. I, I, I hope at least, and this is, you know, I, this is probably me putting too much faith in, in humanity right now, but um, it's almost like, you know, politics and things like that eventually we are going to just get to where time is on our side, where hopefully our generation is raising, you know, and granted we're talking, this is primarily an issue that women face. So raising our men that we have to be better men and to be better humans, first and foremost, in treating women and everyone and not just women, but you know, every human being on the planet, one, how they want to be treated. And also two, respecting boundaries and respecting consent and respecting all these things that, you know, for a long time weren't necessarily taught strictly. And mm-hmm. and that's where, you know, I think almost like politics, the changes that we want to see as shitty as it sounds, eventually times on our side that, you know, hopefully it is a chain reaction and eventually just naturally that old guard is pushed out of that enables this shit or enables you know, fucking over the 99 and enabling the 1% to kind of thing, you know, like I think that's as shitty as that is. I want change now and I'm ready for change now and I'm ready to fight for change now. But, you know, worst case scenario, I think we at least have that, but I don't know. It's just, it's exhausting talking about stuff like this. Like, I don't want to say in a negative way, but like more so it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's so fucking sad that we have to talk about this on a video game show. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking sad that anybody has to talk about this, that just actions like this were ever, hey, that's okay to go and do that, to get hammered at work and then go and, you know, enable, hey, we're going to go do a cube crawl to go around to different female employees and say shit to them. Derogatory shit in most sense. Yeah. Like who the when fuck? you're already not you're already not paying them fairly, right. you're already giving them <laughs> shitty jobs, and now you're gonna go sexually harass them at every chance you get too. Like, how 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 fucked up does it have to be? Like, I don't understand it. But I just want to know, like, who in their life taught them? Okay, that's that's probably okay. Yeah, you could do that. Like, whoever who in their life ever did they ever see doing that or something like that? They saw. Oh, that's okay to do. I. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's, you know, and I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we talked about it because I also wanted to show that, hey, like, you know, I'm not one to sit on my high horse. I'm not one. I'm human. Mm -hmm. I've fucked up more times than I can count. Like you fucked up more times than you can count. Like that's being a human. That happens. That's we all have mistakes and we all have. It's all about it's all about growing from them. saying that, hey, I acknowledge that I did something fucked up. Yep. I want I'm admitting that and I'm showing accountability with that. And by showing accountability, I'm showing that I want to grow from that and say, 
no, I know that was fucked up and I can't change that. But what I can change is moving forward in the future. And, and that's what I want kind of our listeners to understand with this. If, you know, you've ever been in the sense that that question of, you know, hey, was that right? Or hey, was you read articles like this and you only are ever going to see a positive come out of this if there's change. Like you're you're only going to be able to see a positive come from this if people take action for their, mm -hmm. you know, hold themselves accountable and hold, you know, like I said, blizzard in this sense, the sickening shit that we see with this, hold them accountable and hold them to change and have them acknowledge like right now, they're just trying to save face, which, you know, Hey, maybe not everything that came out is true. Who the fuck knows? I'm, I'm not there. whatnot, but I'm always one to believe victims and I'm always one to at the basis. No, I'm going to side with the victim. I'm going to listen to the victim. I'm going to believe the victim until I'm completely shown otherwise. So, you know, especially when it comes to anything with rape and whatnot, like horrible things like that. I'm going to take your word for it until visual evidence shows me otherwise, no, I'm supporting you and helping you anyway. But, you know, I want, I want Activision and Blizzard, I want them to say, okay, you know what? We see this. And yes, this stuff did happen. But you know what? This is what we're doing to move forward. This is what we're doing. We can't change that that shitty shit or shitty stuff happened. We're going to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And this is what we're doing. And this is what, and it sounds like they're doing that, but you know, it's now just coming to light. That shows me that, you know, we're talking a two year investigation. That means that for potentially two years, the past two years, there's still stuff that has happened. Like the fuck. <laughs> Be better people. Be better men. Be better people in general. Like, just fucking be better. Like, it's... Just be better. Let, let's move on, Mike. <laughs> let's talk about Dead Space. <laughs> but anyways, I'm glad we did talk about that. I'm, I'm very glad we did talk about that. Absolutely. It's it an important conversation we need to have, and we need to keep having to. I think that's another aspect. We need to keep having conversations about this to highlight, hey, that's fucked up. And more importantly... How can we make that better? Or how can we be better as a society, I guess, moving forward? But anyways, Dead Space. Let's talk about Dead Space, because I'm really fucking happy about that. Um, Dead Space, yes, is officially getting a remake. This comes from Michael McWhorter over at Polygon, as always, link in the description. Dead Space is back. Visceral Games' sci-fi survival horror classic originally released in 2008 is being remade by Electronic Arts Motive Studios, the publisher announced during Thursday's EA Play Live digital showcase. The new Dead Space is coming to PlayStation 5, Windows PC, and Xbox Series X exclusively. Uh, players will experience, quote, an improved story, characters, gameplay, mechanics, and more as they fight to survive a living nightmare aboard the desolate mining ship, the USG Ishimura, all while uncovering the dreadful mysteries of what happened to the slaughtered crew and ship, quote, er, end quote, EA said in a new release. Quote, the Dead Space franchise made a huge impact on the survival horror genre when it was released 12 years ago, and I came to Motive as a fan first to specifically work on this game, said Felipe Duchamere, senior producer of Dead Space, in a statement. We have a passionate team at Motive who are approaching this remake as a love letter to the franchise. Going back to the original and having the opportunity to do so on next-gen consoles excited everyone on the team. As we, as we look to modernize the game, we've reached out to dedicated fans and invited them to provide us 
feedback since the early stages of production to deliver the Dead Space game that uh, that they want and for new players to enjoy as well. Motive is best known for its work on Star Wars Battlefield 2's single-player campaign and Star Wars Squadrons. The new Dead Space will be a remake, not a remaster, of engineer Isaac Clarke's terrifying adventure aboard the USG Ishimura ship. A teaser trailer shown during EA Play Live offered little in the way of detail, but the Dead Space remake appears faithful to the dark and uh, gory original game that spawned a franchise. AA did not announce uh, did not announce a release date for the new Dead Space though. The Dead Space series consisted of three main games launched between 2008 and 2013, and a pair of spinoffs uh, spinoffs: puzzle action game Dead Space Ignition and rail shooter Dead Space Extraction. The main games were set in the 26th century and starred Isaac Clarke, who battled undead beings known as necromorphs, which, unlike traditional zombie-like enemies, generally had to dis- uh, to be dispatched by slicing off their limbs. One of the co-creators of the Dead Space series, Glenn Schofield, is working on a spiritual successor to the games called the Callisto Pro- uh, Protocol with his studio Striking Distance. The sci-fi horror game set in the broader PUBG universe, the Callisto, Pro- uh, Callisto Protocol, is slated for release sometime in 2022. So we covered this a couple weeks ago when it was still in the... Uh, what do I want to call it? Not necessarily rumor stage because we had a lot of reputable sources reporting this, more reporting, I guess, um, sources saying, you know, there's new dead space coming kind of thing. But man, is it nice to see those reports pay off and, you know, get confirmation for, you know, we are indeed getting a new entry within the dead space franchise in the form of a remake, reimagining really even uh, of the first entry, which is just for me, somebody who loves dead space is fucking very very exciting so i guess i want to take it from this aspect as you know from somebody mike like you who very much so love the resident evil remakes that we've gotten recently the third person ones um that is with the success of those resident evil remakes in re2 and re3 does that give you hope for dead space and Mo's ability to i guess more or less so take the heart of the original game while also fulfilling their promises of, hey, we're going to make this game a little bit of our own as well. We're going to, quote-unquote, improve the story. You know, we're going to trim some stuff up. We're going to make this story... More so, it seems like they want to make the idea of the first Dead Space game and take the skeleton of that and the meat of that, but conform it a little bit to fit a modern style in 2021 of what a modern survival horror game can do. Do you think, you know, after seeing that and seeing that they want to, they took the inspiration really from those RE games, you know, does that give you hope for this project? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely hopeful. Um, I know they, they did use a little bit, they use a little bit of language that was a little concerning to me. Whenever you're saying that you're going to make it your own, I understand wanting to have a little bit of creative flair. Mm -hmm. That part can kind of, can kind of concern me because i know resident evil 3 and 2 sold really well i was a big fan of resident evil 2 resident evil 3 kind of fell flat for a lot of people um that that all is a little bit concerning to me but as someone who has genuinely never played dead space i'm excited to get to play a remaster because i didn't play resident evil 2 the first time the first time around either Mm -hmm. but i did play it obviously with the remaster and spent some time with it. And I'm excited to get my hands on dead space and play it. Um, at the end of the day, Kerr, like kind of, kind of like very, like very cautious optimism coming from me because it's EA. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so at the end of the day, EA going to EA, but um, definitely excited to see what they what they put together here with Dead Space. And I'm super happy for you. I mean, I know you love Dead Space mm-hmm. back when it when it came out the first time. Um, I know you've always kind of been a fan of it. So I'm excited to see what comes of it. Hopefully they do do it justice because I'm excited to, to give it a shot. Yeah, I, I definitely think from like we talked about previously or what I brought up, um, you know, squadrons didn't necessarily speak to me when I first played. And I love dogfighting games, specifically the old school dogfighting Star Wars games. Like for some reason, it just didn't click with me. But that's not to say that what Motive did wasn't fucking fantastic because that game is very, very polished. It is very, very detailed. It is very beautiful. It is very tight. That game is fucking excellent. Just not for me. Um, you know, but that's not to say that what motive took with that IP and what the idea they made and what they made from that wasn't fucking fantastic. And I even have excitement from that regard of taking what they want to make as a spiritual successor to, you know, Star Wars X-Wing, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, these spiritual successors to that, taking the skeleton of those classic games and those classic experiences and making it their own into a modern iteration of that. And I think that's what we're going to see with Dead Space. A lot of, you know, different reports have been coming out regarding, you know, hey, what's this game going to actually be? Is it a full-on remake? Is it a full-on? And they have confirmed, yes, this is a remake, but... I think it does fit more into the reimagining aspect of it because from a couple different sources, they're saying we're going to see, you know, elements of all three games come across, um, which maybe makes some people hesitant from, you know, some of the things with Dead Space 3 because that didn't didn't necessarily fit with everyone. But um, in general, though, from a mechanic standpoint and whatnot, but it it looks as though from what it sounds like, at least this is going to be the new starting point for dead space. This is going to be, Hey, if you want to get into dead space, yeah, you can go back and obviously play the original games. It's totally fun. You want to get in, you're not going to miss anything by getting in and playing at this game. Um, some of the things came out like they're aiming for, uh, cause IGN had this really, really big deep dive. I wanted to bring it. I was I actually planned to use that article as the basis for this conversation it's just very, very, very deep. We'd be here all night. Um, Jonathan Dornbush did a fucking fantastic job with interviewing the team over at Motive to talk about, um, you know, some of the different details of the game and get that hands-on first, you know, kind of pull on all that stuff. But there's not going to be, they're aiming for no load screens, basically, uh, almost in the same regard as a God of War experience where, hey, there's no camera cuts. Um, you're You're there and it's zooming in and out and it's, you know, they're using, you know, some film tricks to have look like there are no camera cuts, but more so that type of immersive experience with this game, which is fucking excellent. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm wanting to see from an experience like this. It's not going to have any microtransactions. It's very it's it, I don't want to say it's anti EA because EA has, I feel like since really Jedi Fallen Order has really kind of started to show, hey, we're okay with putting out these, you know, primarily single player experiences with not really any microtransactions. Yeah, because we're going to make a shit ton of money off of fucking FIFA and Madden. Yeah. All the microtransactions that are riddled through our sports games. And, 
you know, Battlefield and shit like that, that, yeah, we get have these huge player bases that we make a ton of money off microtransactions alone off there. Fucking Apex, we're making a killing off of microtransactions with that from cosmetics, you know, and things like that. Yeah, of course we're going to have that, but, you know, I think they're okay with now saying, well, yeah, we could do that and people are going to do that. Fuck, we have enough bandwidth. We can start making experiences like this again and seeing, and I, I know it's because, you know, in different interviews we've seen, like, them show like or i shouldn't say it, so many different reports that coming out saying that they're using the new re remakes as inspiration and it's already clear even with this just being a teaser and whatnot like that the vibe and the look and everything is so dead space one you know they're encapsulating that perfectly but i can tell it's already being approached like that it feels so much like what we're going to see with that and in just the way that the development team's talking about this this is this is a project that is supposed to really not only continue this renaissance of survival horror that we're seeing you know over the past handful of years now but more so that this is going to be really a big starting point for people this is going to be that point of hey let's make this you know knock on wood a jumping off point for this franchise again this is this is time to breathe fran- new fresh air into this franchise and we could easily do it right here by making this almost like a god of war in the sense of you know obviously when we're talking god of war we're talking one of the best video games made of all time that you know the sense of that hey we have this ip it's ran its course for right now put it on we put it back on the back burner for a while let's let it simmer for a little bit what do we need to do to make this franchise relevant again? And obviously, people have been clamoring for a new Dead Space because that was one of the best, you know, single-player experiences to come out of EA during that 360 generation that people have been saying, okay, it's on the back burner enough. We're ready to have that again. You know, we're ready for a fresh Dead Space experience right now. And I think they fully have the best... They picked one of the best teams to, you know, to handle this right now, who seem to really understand that that personal experience that you're going to get from some of these games that they developed. They focused on the, you know, single player aspect of Battlefield or yeah, of uh Battlefront, I'm sorry. Battlefield or Battlefront 2. I do that all the time. Battlefront 2's single player campaign that they put out which is fucking fantastic. I highly recommend playing that. I highly recommend playing Battlefront 2, actually, in general. The Celebration Edition, if you can get that, fucking play the game. It's actually in a really good state right now. Um, but, and then what we got eventually, too, now with Star Wars Squadrons being this, you know, contained experience that is completely polished and is so meticulously crafted for what it is, Um you know, I think that's one of the best teams to put on there. The only thing that does have me a little bit hesitant is the Frostbite engine um, and knowing all of the hurdles that came with that, making that with EA's kind of outside of, well, really outside of uh, Jedi Fallen Order, I believe, and, and Apex. I don't think Apex runs on, um, I don't think Apex runs on the Frostbite engine, but those two, I think using Unreal, you know, outside of those two, really, it, the troubles that teams have faced with using the frostbite engine. That's my only concern. Um, but I, I think at this point you would hope a lot of these teams are at least familiar with using this after how many years now. Um, 
but that's my only hiccup is how scalable is this? How, you know, what's the bandwidth look on this engine in this tool set for putting this kind of experience in it? So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just happy we're getting dead space. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy this is coming to fruition. So Mike, let's head into our last news article. Just real quick before we kind of head into party chat, um, and wrap up the episode this week, though, I did want to make sure I touched on this because it seemed to be kind of a point of contention out there right now for not only Halo fans, but the broader gaming you know, community in general who want to get in on this beta. So Halo Infinite multiplayer beta details will be announced this month. This comes from Tom Ivanover on VGC. As always, link in the description. 343 community manager John... G- uh, how do you say his last name? I can never say it. What's that? Unishek? 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 John Unishek said on Wednesday that this month's Inside Infinite blog on Halo Waypoint, quote, is about flighting, which is the studio's term for pre-release testing. He also denied claims that Halo Infinite multiplayer test invites had already been distributed. Quote, invites to a Halo Infinite technical preview have not been sent out. Uh, Say it one more time, Mike. Unishek. Unishek. There we go. One day I'll get it. Wrote, quote, Again, you will know when and what is happening before beforehand uh, via Inside Inf- Infinite. Players interested in participating in a pre-release testing, which, quote, is targeting to begin later this summer, need to register as a Halo Insider in order to ch- uh, stand a chance. Quote, please note that you need to opt in to communicate or to communications, verify your email address and choose console and or PC in order to be eligible for pre-release uh, game testing programs 343 said. While the registration process is, quote, pretty easy, according to Unishek, he has posted on Twitter or he had posted a Twitter thread outlining all the necessary steps in detail. According to Brian Gerard, Halo Community Director at 343, over 100,000 people have attempted to sign up without completing all the required steps. Quote, I know folks are getting tired of seeing all the Halo Insider reminders. I promise we're not trolling, he said. Truth is, we have a lot of reminders or a lot. I'm sorry, a lot of. Uh, six figures worth of people who quote unquote signed up, but didn't complete all the required steps. Legit makes me sad knowing they'll miss the opportunity. So like I said, just want to make sure everyone, you know, we went over this real quick and not just in a, you know, button mash kind of run through real quick, just to make sure everyone has this on the radar, that details are coming in, that you need to be enrolled in the insider program. Make sure you go through all the necessary steps um, to potentially get an invite to the beta. So, I know it's just, it's a ton of people have been wanting to get in on this. So just make sure you go in there make sure it's super, super simple to get in there and just make sure you're, you know, all signed up for everything. It takes two minutes. Um, On a side note though, Mike, one of the things I just wanted to bring up because I think so many people new to this, you know, beta testing in, you know, getting pre-release builds of a game to kind of go over, it's not necessarily, yeah, you want to get in played and try it out and this and that, but you know, it's much more than that. And you're a direct conduit to potentially giving critical feedback for these games. So, you know, what are you hoping to take away most from this beta as somebody, you know, once we finally get our hands on and everything as somebody who has been looking forward to doing that and has Mm -hmm. done this experience before. And since, like I said, this may be people's first time ever stepping into a beta of a game. You know, what should newcomers look out for when quote unquote beta testing? What should they use this experience for to help the overall product? 
Yeah, when you're beta testing a game like this, you have to understand it is a it's going to be relatively close to the release date and all for all intents and purposes. What 343 is going to be mainly looking for is just to get feedback from servers. They're going to use a ton of gameplay data. They're going to use some other information, but they're basically doing like a it's basically if it's this close to the game release, it's going to be mainly stress testing the game, seeing how the servers perform. They could do a little bit of Q, uh, like quality assurance tweaks, but by and large, this is purely going to be letting you get your hands on it a little bit early, seeing if there's anything that needs balanced before the release, because the game has been developed for six years. This will give the beta testers a ch- or the um, developers a chance to see if there's anything that needs um, fixed, uh, small stuff. Um, any balances that need to be done, anything of that nature. But you should really dive into this and don't look at it as like, oh, I'm going to find as many bugs as humanly possible. Just play the game. If it breaks, it breaks. They'll get the info on that and try to fix it. But just get your hands on Halo, get your uh, dip your toe in the water, enjoy it. Just look at it as purely enjoying it. You're not, you know, trying to get clips of the game being broken so you can send it to the coders. They're going to know because it's going to happen more than just to you, unless it is like a freak occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in- enjoy it. Like it's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Definitely. And that's yeah. Like, cause with the halo, I played halo three in beta and halo five in beta. And both of them were pretty damn similar to how the game actually released. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the important thing too, is like, like you're saying it's, it's valuable. They know that they're going to be, you know, they know every single troll type of thing that you can try to do whenever you're, you know, playing this game. It's not necessarily meant for that. It's meant for you to get in there and they want you to play the game like you would be playing the game day one. They want to know what that experience is is because they want to make sure if they can't, if you can't play the game like it's intended to on day one, like you're wanting to in that game, they want to know. And that's the biggest thing too is, giving feedback you want to give feedback you want to if you if something happens in this game that shouldn't if you fall through somewhere if you're noticing three out of the five games that you played you you were supposed to start you know in halo but one thing is hey everyone has even starts you know Mm -hmm. fair starts everything like that and everybody starts with an assault rifle and you start with a br mark that down because that's three out of five times that seems pretty regular for that something like that to happen. Like things like that, that, you know, who knows with, you know, when it gets to, you know, an actual matchmaking experience, some of the coding, maybe some line of code doesn't line up and it's communicating wrong. And they're not able to actually physically do that until they actually have people online playing this game that they don't know about, you know? So, Make sure you report those things. Make sure you go through. Have a ton of fun with this fucking game, man. Like, get in there and play this game. Everybody's ready to play this thing, you know? So, but when you do, make sure you actually do give feedback. Make sure you actually, you know, if you see an issue pop up, make sure you let them know and so they can actually fix it and make sure you don't have that experience on day one whenever everybody's jumping on, you know, on release night to play this game that we're not ending up getting, you know, Diablo three errors that we did whenever it first fucking launched, like things like that. Like that's what these beta tests are used for. I mean, and that's, you know, that's an extreme example, but you get what I mean, where it's like, so you don't have issues on day one as much as possible. They want to make sure this game is 
built right and make sure it runs right. And this is the time to, you know, get in there and yeah, muck it up and break it up. But like, make sure when you're doing those things and you're, you know, trying to break it, if you are like, you report it too. you let people know. So that doesn't happen. And it's the best experience possible because nobody wants a fucking bad game. Like nobody, the developers don't want a bad game. You don't want a bad game. So this is the time to make sure that a bad game doesn't fucking come up <laughs> in the, you know, in the, in as many ways as possible. I guess you can, this is one part that you can actually physically have a hand in and making sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, but yes, make sure you go on over on Halo Waypoint site, go over there, make sure you're all signed up, opted in on everything. But especially on the PC end, if you're looking to play this game on PC, there is a process that runs a diagnostic on your computer just to gather information, just your uh, system specs. It's really simple, really quick. So um, yeah, just make sure you go in there, do that, and just make sure you're signed up because I don't want anyone missing out on this. So Mike, let's wrap up the show with some party chat, don't you say? So if you're new to the show, Party Chat's where we propose one question at the end of each week that we just want to discuss. Could be as simple as, you know, what's your favorite story beat in the game? Things like that. What have you been playing recently? Simple things like that. Or it could be a little more in-depth, like, why does the negative stigma in gaming still exist? And things like that. So, after answering the question ourselves, we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our Twitter at Podcast or email us as well at bonusaccessory at gmail.com and we'll read some of the responses the following week. Last week's question, if and when, and possibly when, do you see Microsoft adding a third console system to its lineup this console generation? Or will we not see a mid-gen refresh from or like last gen? And from Oscar W, he emailed in saying, I think by the or I think by ad, I think that was a little mix up there. Uh the late I think by the latest 2026 we will mid-gen refreshes are here to stay long term and i think that'll be reinforced in the not so distant future by both uh hardware manufacturers interesting so we'll see i guess mike this week's question which ip that is making its return do you think has the most riding on it and needs to be a smash hit for said ip's longevity fable or perfect dark Yeah, wow. Um, I just shooting off the hip. I'm not putting that much thought into it. When I hear these two games names said, mm-hmm. I think of how high Fable really did get in popularity wise, and yeah. then how hard it fell all of a sudden. So with that coming to mind, like I would immediately knee jerk reaction say Fable. I will say Perfect Dark for its time. It was really popular on Xbox 360 when the 360 first came out. I know it was popular because it was Rare's first game after Goldeneye. Um, but, you know, Fable, man, um, what a great series for a few games, especially Fable 1 and Fable 2. Uh, I just really hope that that game can kind of deliver on some of its hype because that's one of the IPs and games that Xbox was missing, Microsoft has been missing, and especially last generation cycle like that's a game right away that can start getting some people to say okay they still have some rpgs coming Mm -hmm. instead of there not being anything in that genre yeah and that's what i i personally agree i i think fable has the most riding on it because of we saw this almost like it was almost like a roller coaster where the climb up with one and then the peak really with two and then you saw the descent with you know and three was okay but it it was very much 
a different experience than I think most Fable fans wanted. And then like Fable Legends and stuff like that, the Connect game. And like, you know, we just saw the descent of Fable. And I think there's so much more writing on this as an IP than Perfect Dark, where, yeah, I agree. Perfect Dark was a big deal on the N64 because it, it was basically, hey, Rare wants to continue the same experience they did with GoldenEye, but hey, we don't have the Bond license. EA yeah. picked it up and now, so let's make another GoldenEye without Golden, you know, the James Bond license, and that's what it was. And then whenever, obviously, Microsoft bought Rare, made another, you know, Perfect Dark Zero that was decently, you know, well-received for what it was at that time. I think it got like an 80 on Metacritic or something like that. But comparative to Fable, I think I think a lot of people have nostalgic feelings more so for Perfect Dark when they think about it than Fable, as in Fable was a mainstay. Like there wasn't, nostalgia didn't necessarily need to be there for people to look at Fable and say, yes, this is a good video game franchise. Yeah. I think Perfect Dark was more so, I think, let's put it this way. If Perfect Dark doesn't succeed, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, yeah. I really don't. And neither Fable, but I think much more so, I think there's more riding on Fable as it's it was at one point such a huge Xbox IP. Like, we're talking, I would say, top five, if not higher, Xbox IP that really Microsoft leaned into. And I mean, a ton of fucking people loved one and two. I mean, especially too, with how wide-reaching the 360 was at that point. Like, this is I, this is a franchise that I think really, really needs to knock it out of the park. With, with however they come back to this, whether it's a MMO that people are kind of rumors are kind of spouting a little bit on, whether it's you know just an open world, you know, single-player game like we've normally seen. I, I don't know. We'll see. But I definitely think Fable does too as well but mike i think that's going to do it for our episode this week why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs to talk about all the nerdy stuff we talked about today and the obviously the important stuff we also talked about today <laughs> uh where can they find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at t-o-y-s-x-l-d-i-e-r that's toy soldier and the second o is an x or you can find me on twitch at mp underscore toy soldier nice nice and as always i'm your host travis white aka travelis on most internet platforms including at Travelis underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me on Xbox, you can do so over on Xbox Live. It's just regular old Travelis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. Actually, it's not called Xbox Live anymore. I keep saying that. It's just the Xbox Network. So on the Xbox <laughs> Network, you can find me. It's <laughs> just regular old Travelis. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has, of course, been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. Your weekly go-to podcast for all things xbox xbox game pass and of course pc gaming including news rumors and conversations around our damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every friday morning on youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and all other major podcast services so of course subscribe to us rate us review us all that jazz wherever you get a podcast at and follow us on twitter at gpgc podcast stay up to date with everything regarding the show video games like and our dope giveaways with that being said, Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.